You're listening to another weekly broadcast brought to you by the Christian Cornerstone Ministries, providing biblical foundations for spiritual growth. Before we begin today's message, I would like to invite you into joining our ongoing ministry support members. By becoming a supporting member, you show others just how much you believe in the Christian Cornerstone Ministry, as well as ensuring the ongoing deliverance of God's Holy Word. For as low as $5 per month, you can help support this ongoing work of this ministry, as well as the outreach into additional fields. To learn more, contact us on our website at christiancornerstone.org. And now, for today's broadcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Um, we're getting a little further into our series, and before we get into that, I actually have a couple announcements. Um, first off, you can check the description uh, for a little bit of details of this uh, podcast uh, that is going on Facebook. Uh, check the description, you'll get a little bit of an announcement as far as what else is going on. But um, I want to encourage you guys, you know, again, to become a financial subscriber. I know you just heard that as a great asset, great help to this ministry. Um, you'll get some insights as well, a little bit of benefits on your end, including this little beautiful notepad, notebook. I'm sorry, notebook is what we're writing here. Now, with that being said, um, there's actually a couple other things. I had such an amazing week today. Um, you know, in a week today, I, I guess I had such an amazing week. We'll go with that. You see, what happened was it started off, uh, and I, I feel like this is, this is a total blessing. It's, it's really exciting to share this. So I, I really felt uh, that I, I really should <laughs> uh, before we get this broadcast started. Uh, it started Sunday. Sunday I'm at church, and I think this was maybe either on the way there, later on last week, Saturday, some other time. I don't even remember when it was. And what happened was I was uh, I was thinking it's like you know it'd be really cool to get active and in, in you know traveling and do uh, outreach um, outside of online. I mean I guess this is kind of the focus point here, and uh, I thought it'd be really cool. It's like you know I want to go on more missions trips. I want to do some stuff like that. And I was uh, wherever I was. I don't remember where. Now that being said, I um, need to mute this volume. Okay, there we go. But anyways, um. I was on my way or at church yesterday, yesterday morning, not yesterday morning, Sunday morning. Uh, they're talking about a trip in which they were planning on doing down to Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and unfortunately, you know, and the, the trip itself is through Samaritan's Purse, or at least it's to help Samaritan's Purse. There's no outside organization in which they're partnered with to make this trip happen. It is simply a church. It is simply a people gathering money together to get the necessities to make it happen. Uh, which I thought was really cool, but a really cool blessing about that is checking it out in Charlotte, North Carolina. The expenses would have cost probably about seven, eight hundred dollars for this trip for a whole for a week, uh, which is more than I make uh, for my job within a week as well. And I got to look at a little bit, and this place is actually only twenty minutes from where my aunt lives. So I hit her up, and I was like, "Hey, aunt, you know, let's go, let's go have this, you know, really cool adventure." Or you know, you know, are you up for an adventure? And she's like, "Well, you know, what is it?" And I was like, "You know, a yes or no would suffice." And so she, uh, she's like, well, it depends what it is. So I told her the details as far as this goes, and I'm really excited about that because I'm, I'm able to take part in the Samaritan's Purse, i.e. Operation Christmas Child, come this December at almost no cost. I just got to drive my butt down there to Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, you know, chill out at my aunt's. Uh, so I thought that was really cool, really excited, and I really wanted to share that with you. Um, another piece was I had two things happen today. 
There was one, there was a gentleman uh, I work with in which he, uh, you know, I got some respect for him, but he, he mentioned something about, I don't know how we got talking about this. He was talking about how he was, um, he went to church Sunday, this past Sunday, it was a family event or family service, whatever, however it was, I'm not sure. And, uh, you know, he said, he's like, yeah, you know, I felt like, uh, I felt like the pastor was speaking to me, like it was directly to me. And I was like, you know, that's totally awesome. Because, you know, it probably was. And then I made the comment, it's like, you know, I don't know what was going on. I don't know how we got to talk in, but I was like, yeah, you know, my problem is, is you know, there's, however we led into this, it's like, you know, there's not enough churches who talk about hell. And uh, I think he said that. And I was like, you know, I totally agree. You know, churches need to do more, you know, talk more about that. It's a very important topic. And then he told me, he's like, well, this pastor was talking about hell. I was like, that's awesome. Uh, it's not exactly a comfortable topic to talk about, but it's something that is required. It is something that we need to do as believers. We need to be willing to recognize the reality. And on top of that, this last note here, and then we'll get into our series here. We'll get into our podcast. A second gentleman was, um, he, this is a gentleman in which I would personally, I wouldn't think uh, he'd, he'd sway this way. And, and I would say it's only by the power of God that this happened. This man... He, uh, he mocks the Christian faith. Um, I don't know if he does now. I, we haven't really had a conversation related to Christianity in some time. But this was a gentleman at one point, I had a, a week-long discussion or dispute with him. He kept bringing contradictions, conspiracies, uh, flaws, whatever you want to go with in regards to the Christian faith. And every single day, you know, he told me, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with what you're talking about there. Let me get back to you. Um, so I got back to him, you know, on every single one of them. And he ends up coming to the back. He's like, "Oh, well, you're reading this all out of context." The bottom line is, he had he had at one point no respect for the Christian faith. Uh, mocked it whenever he'd get the chance. Um, and then here to find out what he told me was within the past few months, he's been trying to be a better person. Um, a year ago, he quit drinking alcohol. It's been a year since he's been drinking, and that is awesome itself. Um, he was a severe alcoholic, so I mean that's 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 the big change. He just dropped it, um, and uh, so anyways, he's telling me you know over the past few months he's been trying to change and be a better man, and then I'm hearing him, hearing him say yesterday that uh, you know it's really crazy, man. The Bible, it's like the, when I read the Bible, it's like it speaks to me, and the first thing I thought in my mind was, wait a minute, wait, you read the Bible? And that just put a big old smile on my face. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here? He says, yeah, you know, it's it's like I'm, it's like it's speaking directly to me. And I was like, well, it's probably because it's the word of God. That's what I thought. I didn't have the chance to respond. And then today he's saying the same thing. He's like, you know, it's it's really crazy. Anytime I pray and you know, I read, it's like the words are, are speaking directly to me. So I thought that was really awesome. It's it's awesome how God is working in people's lives. Uh, you know, I guess in my life, you know, my experiences, I, I think about wanting to continue or, or, or get back into traveling and missions trips. And I'd like to do that as part of this ministry as well. Um, and then here, the following Sunday, the opportunity arises. And then, you know, we have two gentlemen in which are, you know, talking about their... Uh, the religious experience, if you would like to go with that. So that was really awesome. It, was a really, uh, it really put a highlight on my week. Now, as we get into this, we're getting into uh, Romans chapter 6. Uh, now, we've kind of jumped a little bit. Last week, we were talking about Romans chapter 4, and we we're in the idea of justification, to be justified by faith through Jesus Christ. And before that, we were talking about condemnation. So we've talked about a little bit about condemnation, 
we've talked a little bit about justification, and I felt like we you know focus a lot on that right there. So with the without risking repeating things that I've said, I uh, I chose to jump ahead a little bit and get into. Uh, Romans chapter 6, which is which begins on the topic of sanctification. So Paul's talking about condemnation, justification, sanctification, uh, and there's a few more shuns in there as well. So uh, that's what we're going to get into later. Uh, if you guys want to, and again, for those of you who, uh, who are financial subscribers, supporters, uh, you can grab your lovely Christian Cornerstone Ministry notebook, grab your lovely little pen as well that we have, and... Um, you know, follow along, grab, you know, write down whatever you can. Write down these comments that we throw out uh, uh, related to this. Um, write down, you know, the verses that are referencing. We're going to go over quite a bit, whatever it is that you feel necessary. And again, this video is going to be online for a few days. We might end up actually keeping them in, a, in an archive online here. Um, and then also, the audio files are on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And whatever other iTunes app or whatever other podcast app that you have, um, if you have something else, let us know. Um, we're actually on multiple different channels, including TuneIn, which is actually kind of cool. That was as of last week. I don't even know the information for our TuneIn account. Um, the host in which is taking care of these podcasts actually takes care of all of that, so I don't even know some of these channels. But we'll definitely get those to you if you need. Um, and today, you know, dead to sin. And alive to God, we're going to be going over quite a bit here. Um, you know, a, a large chunk of uh, of, of uh, chapter six, and uh, Romans chapter six, verse one through fourteen. Um, and I'm going to kind of, uh, you know, I'm going to kind of crunch this up a little bit more. I didn't really want to, but I, I kind of felt like um, I kind of felt like I was, I, was, I was dissecting a little too much. And I love the dissection; I really do. I enjoy it. But at the same time, I'd like to get I'd like to get you guys um, I'd like to teach teach more. I'd like us to, to discuss this more, and um, rather than kind of boring you guys with just you know one topic for you know the next month. So with that being said, we're going to be covering uh, Romans chapter six, verse one through fourteen this week, and then we're going to get into another segment uh, next week. Now I'm going to go ahead and read this. Uh, as we said, we're talking about sanctification here. That and what Paul is arguing here is, in spite of their past, all whom God has justified, as we found out last week, is through faith and is by the grace of God alone. Um, all who God has justified will experience a holiness. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, as well as 1 Timothy 1, chapter 12, I'm sorry, verse 12 and 13. I'm going to go ahead and read this here, and then we'll go ahead and get into this uh, series here, or this study. In Romans chapter 6, 1 through 14, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that may grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all who all of us who have been baptized into Christ, we are baptized into death, or Jesus Christ, were baptized also into his, referring to Christ, his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a, death, in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his as well. For we know 
that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. If we believe that we have died with him, we will also live with him. And we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. I think that's really important. I want you guys, if you're following along, this is in verse 9. Um, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him or us. For death he died. Uh, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives is to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. And let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present yourselves, members, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death into life and your members to God as an instrument for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. This, my friends, is according to the word of God. Now, holiness. Holiness. You know, there's a, it's, it's a fascination of mine, and I'm not going to spend too much on this, um, but holiness, you know, we say, what does it mean to be holy? And we argue that it means to be set apart. That is true, yes, but that is not all it really is. It's not necessarily a means to set apart. Um, you know, Paul himself, you know, this is where he's getting at, that, that our justification will, will, will lead into an experience of personal holiness, as we've already shared. Holiness, according to the Baker's Dictionary, the Baker's Bible, Illustrated Bible Dictionary, um, is an attribute of God and of all that is fit for association association with him. God alone is holy, and there is not one who is equal. Listen to that. God alone is holy, and there is not one who is equal. Not even Satan. Satan is a lesser being. While holiness is sometimes uh, said to mean set apart, this is not at all its core meaning though it is an associated notion. Holiness could be explained more as something of a special uniqueness in its attributes to God. Within this holiness is glory, righteousness, and even jealousy. Think about that, a holy jealousy. This is his proper concern for his, that is his proper concern for his reputation. God's dwelling place is holy. Psalms 20 verse 6. His throne is holy, Psalm 47, verse 8. His angels are holy, Psalm 89, verse 5, and Mark 8, 39. And most importantly, God's faithful people are holy. Exodus 19, verse 6, and 1 Peter 2, verse 9. I think that's really important to share. Um, you know, I remember, I want to say it was probably back in December sometime. I remember 
it, it seemed to be standing out quite a bit. And, and today, you know, the church itself still does this. We still talk about, well, God is love. You know, we're to love others. And that is absolutely true. But love itself, it cannot be obtained without first this holiness. And this holiness is what comes through sanctification. The moment you are justified, you begin sanctification. And when you begin sanctification, you begin holiness. You are holy at that moment. But you continue a process of holiness as you continue to mature and progress with your faith in Jesus Christ. Anything that can be rightly attributed to God is considered holy. It's not what man makes holy. And the reason I say that is we got a bunch of heresy out there. You know, I, I, could, um, I could say that this pen... This pen that I have right here in front of me, because it is a sacred pen, it is a beautiful pen, it says Christian Cornerstone on it, it's got our website on it, um, it has you know ink that I use to write notes for the ministry work, for, for commentaries, for, um, for some projects related to the ministry faith, or the ministry project, and the, this organization. Because I use this pen uh, for this work, does that mean that it is holy? That does not mean it is holy. I could call it holy, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, it's just simply a tool, which uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, but um, it, it's important to recognize God above everything, above love. I mean, love, and I'm, I'm making this clear because, you know, there are there's some people who may question this. God is more is more than just love. He is above love. He is love, but his attributes is holiness. And everything that he has, he has a holy love. He has a holy wrath. He has a holy judgment. He has a holy place, a holy throne, holy people, holy angels. Everything that is attributed to God and his righteousness is holy. And it's important to share this idea because while we are dead to sin, we are alive to God. And if we are alive to God, we are a holy people. As Peter would say, we are a royal priesthood. And that alone, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to get off here and, and, and look into that because I, that's been sticking on my mind for quite a bit. The idea that we are a royal priesthood. Um, I believe it. I know a little bit about it, but I feel like there's like an entire book that I have to read on what it means to be a royal priesthood. Um, we are a different people than we once were. We are no longer sin. You know, as we as we've talked about in the past, we from sinner to saint, and then you know the previous um, the previous episodes in Romans that we've went over. Anybody who is not of the body of Christ, by definition, is considered unrighteous, unholy, wicked, and guilty of and and do proper punishment for their sins. They are, by definition, a sinner. Um, and, you know, we are different from this. We are not whole, We are not unholy. We are not unrighteous. We are, we are not, by our title, considered to be sinners. Um, we are not a wicked people. We are righteous. We are holy. We are saints. And we are completely going, we go through a sanctification, which, again, is what we're on here. We've been made clean. We're no longer filthy. We are innocent. We are we are we are blameless of our crimes. Um, we were once in in this bondage of sin and eternal punishment, but now you know it's been bought with a price, and that price now leads us into an eternal life. 
Uh, as I shared, we're not going to go over every single passage here, but there are some key points I do want to go over with when we're going to kind of compile this uh, in chunks. Our first chunk, and it's, it's a chunk. It's not just a chunk, it's a chunk. you got to say that with your lips, the chunk. <laughs> um, uh, I, don't, I don't know why that was so amusing to me. Verse 1 here, it says, you know, Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? Uh, you know, what Paul is really trying to do is he to, he's to, to limit any sort of justification here on the base that if grace was given to us because of our sin, if it, if it, if it covers our sins, then, you know, that logically, this would mean that if we sin more, then the more we sin, would, we would, the more grace we would receive. And this is what Paul is trying to, uh, trying to, you know, eradicate. He's, he's trying to get this out of their mind that, you know, I'm not saying to continue into sin so that you can receive more grace. Because, you know, if you live in this lifestyle of sin, this is simply going to show who you are. It's going to show that you are an unregenerate. It's going to show that you are unrighteous, unholy, and, you know, still, by definition, wicked, guilty, criminal, deserving of punishment, as we've already said. So we don't want that. To be justified, we are to uh, receive this grace, but we are not to receive this by continuous sin. Um, you know, and, and this is what uh, Paul is avoiding here is, is so that you know, and we find this out here in verse two. By no means, by no means. That's has an exclamation point on this, and I, I learned as I was putting these notes together, it was really awesome. I learned that uh, you know this word, you know, by no means. This is used 14 times in Paul's epistles here with an expression of a strong, and it is a, the strongest Greek phrase for rejecting a statement that contains a sense of outrage that anyone would even think of something like that. So it's not a by no, by, he's not saying by no means, he's saying by no means, absolutely not. That's, you know, there, there's, there's a strong urgency behind this. So that's what we need to recognize. We need to, you know, I think that alone is, is very important to recognize because it, it answers the question. Absolutely not. This idea that we continue in sin just so we can have grace, that is unheard of. That is, that is uh, a, a satanic idea. That is manipulations from demons. We do not continue into sin so we, you know, so that we can receive more grace. Instead, we fight continuously to overcome these sins. And to live in the grace of God. We died to sin. We died to sin and we enter into eternal salvation. This is what happens. The moment you die to sin, the moment you submit to Christ, not just as your Savior, not just as your, your King, but your Lord. Your master, and I think this is really something I, I, I'm, I'm liking. I'm enjoying it. I, I prefer to stress a lot because I, I, it's something that we need to recognize that He's not just our Savior. He's not just our friend. He's our King. He's our Master, and we need to listen to Him. Why? Not as a dictator. Not because He's uh, you know a controlling freak and won't let us do what we want to do. But because He's our Father. He's our Father, and he, he is a being that knows everything before it even happens. So these guidelines, these rules, these commands in which God has put in place, these are not a restriction to keep us in, you know, into a, a, a right focus. 
these guidelines are, are, are essentially to set us free. It's to bring us life. If you don't have, for example, if you have a guardrail on the side of a road next to a cliff, this guardrail is there for a purpose, and that's exactly what the Bible is. It, it, this guardrail is put there so we don't die. We don't run off the cliff. We don't drive off the cliff. However, it's so that we can have life and we can enjoy it to the fullest. That's why these commands are put in place. And when we die to sin, we enter into this. When we desire obedience to the Lord over obedience to our own sinful passions, this is eternal salvation. This is where we begin justification and we continue in ongoing sanctification. Our sins are nailed to the cross and we have been crucified with Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 now this one's actually kind of interesting. This one, which I thought it was really cool, as I was continuing, uh, as I was pulling these notes together, um, I, 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 I didn't even mean to do this. So I thought it was a really, really cool how God was working through these, uh, through these notes as I was compiling them. One of the arguments I've heard, uh, I want to say, was last as of now, was last week. Um, you know, and I don't know the position. He just says like, "Hey, we're not going to talk about this." But he's referring to "once saved, always saved," or "can you lose your salvation?" Now, for the record, um, I actually used to believe that it is possible to lose salvation, and I was firm on this. I don't remember who it was that I was talking to, but I was talking to somebody about this. They were, you know, saying it's not possible. I was saying it is possible, uh, and, and I feel really terrible. I wish I could remember who that person was so that I could apologize to them for my own ignorance. Uh, and this was years ago. I don't remember how long ago it was. But uh, the idea that we are once saved, always saved, that's the biggest question. When we are saved, is it possible to lose salvation? Now, here's where I'm coming from. You know, for when at the point in which I was, which I did believe the possibility here, excuse me, I gotta wet my whistle. Um, when I did believe this, you know, I saw a, a very valid argument, and it comes from John chapter 15, 1 through verse 5, or verse 1 through 5, if you abide in me, and then I shall abide in you. So that seems to be the condition there. If you remain in me, I will remain in you. So remain would suggest that if I, that, you know, the possibility of leaving, and that's what I personally saw. But that's not the case here. And we're not going to get into this segment here, but that's what I saw. And Jesus is speaking of being this true vine. We are his branches. And this is, this is, not, uh, it, it, it's not just a metaphor for as long as you remain with, faithful to me, then I will be with you. And once you stray, that you'll be cut off. But rather, this is uh, these branches. There's branches that are alive. There's branches that are uh, receiving nourishment from the vine. And there are branches who are dead, who are useless, who are not bearing any fruit. And the one who prunes them does just right to prune them to make way for the, the, for the vines and branches that are alive. So that they can have more space to blossom, to produce more life. And that was the point there. You know, the souls have been regenerated by the Spirit. Um, the ones who are connected with Christ are the regenerate. Likewise, the dead are the ones who have no life in them. They don't produce any good fruits, and it's not that Jesus is suggesting that once had life, but rather that they never had it in the first place. What is salvation? Salvation here is, in a, in a broad sense, we went over this before, so we're not going to spend too much time on this, but in the broad sense, it is the rescue from danger. To the believer, salvation is a free gift from God. Now look at that, it's a free gift. It's a gift. 
Now, when you give a gift to somebody, you give it and you don't expect to get it back. That's what a gift is. You give somebody a Bible, that's a gift. You give somebody a book, that's a gift. You give somebody a pair of uh, a shirt, a pair of shoes, that's a gift. You don't expect them to give it back. You expect them to enjoy it. You expect them to take advantage of what you have given them. Likewise, we should take advantage of our eternal salvation that God gives us. He's not expecting to take it back from us. But it is the spiritual act of restoring one, restoring and bringing them into life, i.e. it's giving life to the lifeless, paying for the ransom for the criminal to pardon them of their debt. It is to give us eternal life. And this is what Jesus Christ did on that cross. He died once for all who are or will be saved. Romans 6, verse 10, as well as 1 Peter 3, verse 18. When we are redeemed, our sins are nailed to the cross with Jesus. They're not taken down and put back on us. And, you know, we've got to take the punishment again, um, which we'll get into again here in a minute. This is why he so badly was tortured. I mean, if you look at this, if you look, if you go watch The Passion of the Christ, that is, that's to me, that's a traditional movie. I watch that. The only time I watch it is Easter weekend. That's the only time I'll watch it. It's, it's a tradition for me, and it helps me to remember this sacrifice in which Christ did for me. <laughs> to be honest, I, I tear up every single time. I bawl my eyes out, and, and I, I, I yell... To the, um, I yelled to the uh, the Roman soldiers. I was like, man, you guys shouldn't be doing that to, me, to him. That should be me. I called myself a few years ago doing that. And I was like, holy cow. I was like, man, you know, I just... It's such a... It, it's been PG'd. It's been PG'd compared to what, what the, the true representation, to what really happened to Christ. I mean, he was tortured so much that he didn't need... That his body... You couldn't recognize that he was a man. You couldn't recognize who it was. And the only way you did was because people said, well, this is him. Based on physical appearances, you couldn't tell. But he took, it, he took the sins for us. He took the torture for us. Not just for one. Not just for one person. Not for everybody at all time as some, some Christians. In fact, uh, it's very concerning to me. You know, hurts me a lot to be honest uh, uh, the, a church in which I left you know they believe that that everybody's forgiven but not everybody's you know there because the people you're forgiven but the reason you're in hell is because you didn't look to Jesus Christ um, but you know it's, it's not that everybody's been forgiven it's not everybody that's ever existed but it is everybody who has been saved Everybody who has been saved, regenerated, has come into the Holy Spirit, these are the people, the only people who have been forgiven. What's eternal life? I think this is a very important thing. You know, as, as far as to conclude this idea, and we'll go into this a, a little bit more, to conclude this idea that, uh, you know, is it possible to lose salvation? Salvation is eternal life. That is what you receive when you have salvation. Uh, according to uh, Google, I think is where I got this from, eternal definition is lasting or existing forever. It is without end and without a beginning. It is eternal. That is our life. It is forever and without end. Endless. 
Now, my question is how how do you end something that is endless? Reality is that you can't. And, you know, if this is the case, if it was even possible to lose our salvation, then what would the point of Jesus, what would be the point of Jesus dying on the cross? If we believe in this concept that we can lose our salvation, then we're ultimately denying the power of God. Not only are we denying his power, but we are denying that he can save us from an eternal punishment. But that his power to give you eternal life is also limited. That's what we do. When we, when we believe the idea that you know we can lose our salvation, we are believing that God is not all-powerful as we supposedly claim he is. You're not only saying that you don't believe in the full power of God, but that Jesus' payment was not enough. That it wasn't enough for you. That he needs to die a second time because that's what happens. When you enter into salvation, when you are forgiven, then your sins go on the cross and Jesus died for you. To say that you can lose salvation is to say that he needs to go right back up there on that cross and die a second time, a third time, a fourth time in order so that you can be redeemed again. He died once and for all, once for all of mankind, for all who are being saved. Now, here's the kicker. What about those who have gone to church, who grew up in church, uh, and I guess you could throw myself in there as well, who grew up in church but later stopped they stopped being a part of it uh, they, they fell into sin you know as a part of their lifestyle uh, perhaps even some become agnostic some even atheist what about them do they lose their salvation well the reality is here it doesn't show that they that it doesn't show evidence that they've lost salvation this doesn't show that they can even lose salvation. What this shows is that they never had salvation. They were never regenerated, they were never reborn, and they were never forgiven in the first place. 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, and we're going to read another translation as well to give you a better understanding. They went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out, that it might become plain to them that they are not of us. The New Living Translation says this, These people left our churches, but they never really belonged to us, otherwise they would have stayed with us. And when they left, it proved that they did not belong to us. Now I think that's really is what's really important to share with this, as myself, as an example, I left the church. Not the church as the Christian community, not the, not the holy body of Christ, but the church that I was a part of, I left. Uh, I guess we're working on a year now. What are we at? February, April, I don't even have my months right. The 12th. Come the 20th, or, the, or that week, the week prior. Um, actually, yeah, I guess now is uh, technically the one-year anniversary since I left. Now, you could take that into consideration. I left the church, and there was an entire, almost a whole year, that I was without a church. I didn't have a church to go go to. So does that mean that this is evidence that I never belonged to them in the first place? Absolutely not. Myself as an example, this is by you know this is the only example I really can give you is though I left this this church, I still remained faithful to the best of my human nature. 
Um, I studied under a gentleman, which I've shared before, John MacArthur, read my Bible, studied it some more, and as we know, you know, continuing these podcasts, uh, so I did what I could to, you know, remain faithful to God. Um, and through that, you know, I've grown quite a bit. I've taken, I'm taking classes, you know, I'm going for my uh, divinity degree, so I've continued with that. So what does it really mean to leave the church? Well, first off, we've got there's there's two kinds. There's there's a, there's the holy body of Christ. There's that church, the called out ones, um, and then there is the, these general ideas of church that are man made or led by man, and the Holy Spirit's not there. We know they exist because there's at least five that are being warned in the Book of Revelation, and we even see this today. We've got the Catholic Church. The Holy Spirit's not there. We've got Joel Osteen's church. The Holy Spirit's not there. We've got, the, as I said, the previous church in which I was at. I'm not going to say the Holy Spirit's not with the individual, but as far as leading the church, it is apparent that it's not happening. Um, and then we have other churches here. There's a, a church, Lifehouse. That is a, a church of entertainment. Um, and I actually want to encourage you guys, check this out uh, by Charles Spurgeon. I don't know if I have the sermon. Um, I'm missing a book. Uh, there's one specific person which appears to be listening to this broadcast, which would know what book I'm talking about. I'm missing a book for my Charles Spurgeon sermons. But that is completely okay. I gave that as a gift. And as we said, gifts you do not give back. Um, but uh, there's a piece, I want to say, the, the entertainment-driven church, if I remember right. And it's a, a, an article or, or it is something um, presented by Charles Spurgeon. I want to encourage you guys to check that out. It's really cool. He's basically making the point that if you want to have a carnival, if, if, if an entertainment church is a church that is a carnival, and to keep the people entertained, you have to remain a carnival. So in other words, you have to remain, you know, this... <laughs> you have to remain in this way in order to keep these people entertainment. Uh, the Holy Spirit's not there in these churches. So there's evidence there is churches that are, do not have the Holy Spirit. These ones absolutely leave. I want to strongly encourage you to do that. I remember talking to a friend of mine. She was asking about, uh, you know, this church is doing such and such, all these different things. What do you think? I says, you need to leave. That is not godly at all. That is not a church of God. That is a church of Satan and, a, and full of a den of thieves. So uh, it is important to recognize that people do leave churches, but why? That's the kicker. That's where this verse comes into play. Are they leaving it because it is an unholy place, not guided by the Holy Spirit, or are they leaving it because they don't have the Holy Spirit? Uh, the first characteristics, this is some commentary here, and then we're going to continue on. Um, the first characteristics of this in verse uh, in 1 John Two verse nineteen. I think this is really important to share. Mention uh, or mentions of the antichrist, i.e., false teachers and deceivers. Uh, verse twenty-two and twenty-six is that they depart from the faithful. Twenty-two and twenty-three of this same chapter. Uh, for the second characteristic and on verse uh, twenty-six for a third. This is again. This is all in First John chapter two. Uh, they arise from within the church. Listen to that. They arise from within the church and depart from the true fellowship, and lead people out with them. These people grow up, or, or they they grow. They they they're fertilized in the church. Uh, this is how Satan works. His his main target is within the church, not outside, because those people are already lost. He doesn't have to do anything. He just has to keep them out. But to the church, he's got to get people out. He's got, to weed, he's got to manipulate them somehow. He's got to weed in lies, deception, and get people to stray away. And he does this through people. Through people. P 
people are tools. And these people, if they, you know, listening to him will be led astray. And this will be evidence that they know they never belonged to the true church of God. This verse also places emphasis on the doctrine of the preservance, pres pres I can't even pronounce that word properly, of the saints. Those genuinely who are born, who are genuinely born again, endure in faith, and they do endure in fellowship and in truth. 1 Corinthians 11, 19, and 2 Timothy 2, verse 12. And the ultimate test of true Christianity is endurance. The, uh, you find this in Mark 13, 13, as well as Hebrews 3, 14. The departure from the truth, from the true body of Christ, and the church is the unmasking, the revealing that this person never was regenerate in the first place. Uh, and the reason I share this was really to stress this point, is that when we die to sin, we die one final time. And I'm not, not stressing uh, 2.19, but it's that we die once. I'm stressing this fact that when we cannot lose our salvation. We die one final time, and there is no such thing, that it, there is no such thing as a backsliding Christian. The Christian will fall into sin. Absolutely. That's in our human nature. One of my favorite verses is uh, Psalm 37, 24. It tells us that though we stumble or fall, however your translation says it, he lifts us up with his right hand. That's referring to God. He's basically saying, it's like, you know, you screwed up, kid, but get up, try it again. That's the Christian. We'll continuously screw up. Romans chapter 7, we'll probably get into next week or the week after. Paul gives a good example of that. He's, he's admitting that he has a sin. He's disgusted by it. He re relies wholly on the, only on the holy word of God. But, um, you know, th this is evidence that uh, there is no such thing as a backsliding Christian. There's no such thing as losing salvation. The Christian will fall into sin, but the Christian does not willingly take part of sin as a part of their lifestyle. But strives every day for purity, for holiness, to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ, as we found out in verse 11. If the believer, quote unquote believer, does backslide and they fall away from the faith and this, and if they really do lose salvation, it is simply because they never had it in the first place. As we've already said, this person is a false convert and still under the bondage of sin and in need of repentance and forgiveness. Verse 11 through 14, as we wrap this up here, I think we're actually making better time than I was uh, thinking we would. Verse 11 through 14. So as Paul comes to this conclusion, or comes to, the, to conclude with this point, if the old self is dead, if, if the old self truly is dead, if you've truly been forgiven, if your sins are nailed to the cross with Christ, if you have truly been redeemed by his blood, why is there continual struggle with sin and how can this new self become dominant? How do we overcome these sins? Well, I'm here to tell you that throughout your entire existence here on this earth, you will be plagued with sin. But as you continue to mature in Christ, as you continue to be sanctified, as you continue to continuously be made holy, you will begin to sin less. You won't be sinless, but you'll be sin, you'll sin less. 
But how can we overcome these? There's two things, you know, we need to, to overcome this. There's two things in which we need. First one we find in verse 11 and 12 of our reading. We need to consider. We need to consider ourselves dead. We need to recognize that is no longer a part of us. That is not who we are. Uh, coming into the kingdom of the Lord does require death. And it's not just a physical death, but it is also a spiritual death. Now, I know that's kind of, uh, it's kind of a paradox because we start off dead and then we, we're coming to life. If, you're, if, you're, if we're saying we need to be alive and we once were dead, how can the dead be, be dead? How can the dead have a death? It can't. But that's not the point. We find in Matthew chapter 10, verse 19, I'm sorry, not 19, verse 39, Matthew 10, verse 39, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, I mean, I don't recognize that, for my sake. Jesus Christ, if you lose your life for me, then you will find your life. John 12, 25 says it this way, whoever, uh, whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it. For eternal life, I want to check this out. Is in Roman in John chapter twelve, we're finding here that whoever hates his life, you're not I'm not talking about oh man, you know life totally sucks. My job sucks. You know it's hot at the plant. Uh, you know I, I hate the working at this grocery store. Uh, I don't like this bank. You know dealing with all these people. I hate my life. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about in this world. In this world, the things of this world, the chaos, the sin, the plagues, the deception, the deceit, the lies, everything that comes from being dead, from being, from being unregenerate, unholy, and living our lives in sin. We need to hate that and everything that it represents. We need to hate our life in this world as it remains. And if we do, then we will have this eternal life. Now, this isn't a step that, okay, well, I hate my life now. Congratulations, eternal life is yours. But that this hatred for sin, this hatred for evil, this hatred for darkness, um, all of that is evidence of an eternal life. We need to be willing to sacrifice ourselves. I'm not telling you to, you know, go and put yourself on an altar and, you know, spill the blood for a lamb. But you need to be willing to lose whatever it is that you have. Jesus Christ gives that example to the rich young ruler um, when he says this, you know, that he's kept all his commands. And then Jesus challenges him. He's like, okay, I need you to go ahead and uh, you know, get, sell all your possessions. Give them all away and give all your money to the poor. And then you know, eternal life will be yours. That was a challenge. You need to be willing to give up whatever God is commanding you to do. Give up family. Give up friends. Give up possessions. Give up a career. Whatever it is he's asking you to do, be willing to listen. Recognize that this is just material stuff. This is only temporary. Uh, you know, me and myself, I, I'm a Star Wars fanatic. I've got a nice little collection that needs, needs to grow. Um, I've noticed that recently that I, I haven't really added to that collection anytime lately. But uh, that's not the point. The point is, I, was, I, I think about this quite a bit. Is, and, you know, and I ask myself, is like, how much would I be willing to give up? 
And I got to the point where I was like, you know, I think I should really sell off my collection. But I figured if I did that, it's kind of a kind of a, a pros and cons. You know, selling off the collection and give me a little finances to throw into this ministry, to put into other elements uh, that I need throughout my life. But at the same time, this collection that that represents who I am. That represents my passions, my interests, um, what I enjoy. So, and I got to thinking about that as like, you know, how much, you know, I, I, and I, I steered towards that. I was like, you know, I, I, I'm going to sell this. And I was like, well, you know, if I do this, so it's kind of a, there, there's, it's 50, 50 right there for myself. Um, if I sell it, then I really won't have my man cave. So, um, I want to kind of keep that, to, to kind of, you know, identify myself. Um, we are not just present. Uh, we're not to just present ourselves, uh, to simple passions. We are not to be used as an interest as an instrument of unrighteousness. These are the words of Paul. I'll rephrase that: the words of God. In other words, what he's saying here is, don't be a tool. <laughs> don't be a tool. Uh, second point here: after you know we consider ourselves dead to sin, we consider our lives lost for His gain. We need to present. We need to present ourselves to God. As the one who was brought from death into life. And we need to no, be no longer under sin's control. What does this mean? What does it mean not to be under sin's control? Well, when sin comes knocking at your door, we need to tell it that nobody's here. Go away. We don't want anything that you're selling. Not today, Satan. Ain't gonna happen. No, sir. This is not just because sin is bad. It is not, in a, you know, in a human sense... You know, some of it is appealing, but rather looking at sin simply as not good. Don't don't just look at it as not good. We should recognize the results of sin. What does it do by taking part in sin? Am I presenting myself to others as a child of God? What would people really think about the image of a Christian if I presented myself as an instrument? Instrument, I can't even say it, as a tool. To sin, you know. I recently had a. It's actually this this past week. I think is what it was. Either this week or this past weekend, um, I had a conversation with a gentleman that claims to be a Christian. Uh, he's very knowledgeable. I'll give him that much. Um, but he claims to be a Christian, yet his actions really speak different. Uh, you know, he, he's got a very colorful vocabulary. He's throwing a nice little colorful uh, word in every couple word every couple words in his sentences. And he, I believe he is in college right now, uh, and I've also heard him bragging about, uh, you know, the women he has either slept with or got his their number. Um, so I had to confront this issue. I was like, you know, I was like, you know, I, I, I'm curious. You know, you, you call yourself a, you're, you're a Christian, correct? And he's like, yeah. I was like, okay. So my question here is, if that's the case, why are you diminishing why are you diminishing the, 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 the name of Christ? Why are you diminishing the title of being a child of God by bragging about what you've just accomplished, by all these this vulgar words and what you're saying, by, by this sin that you're actively taking and proudly taking part in? So, I mean, I, it, was a, it was a hit. It, it truly was a hit, but it is something we need to do. We need, we need to hit somebody every now and again. And, uh, you know, got him to think um, how he's going to respond. I haven't talked to him in a, in a bit. We actually play uh, Xbox online together. Um, 
I'll probably talk to him this weekend, and you know, I, I really hope to hear from him. I, I really hope to hear that he's thought about it, and uh, you know, he's he's interested in change, because that that stuff is evidence of somebody who believes in Christ but is not in Christ. Uh, and with this, I asked the same question. I think I already asked this before. Or I think I already asked this, but I want to ask this again to conclude this. Does what you are doing, you as an individual, is there anything in your life that is a part of your lifestyle? Does what you're doing show good character as a Christian to others? Are you presenting yourself dead to sin, considering yourself dead to sin, but presenting yourself holy to God, presenting yourself as a child who has been brought from death into life? Are you presenting yourself as somebody who's been made alive and is no longer living in sin? That's really all I have for you guys uh, this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, for those of you who do not know, who have made it through this hour long, almost an hour, wow, almost an hour long, keep in mind we do have these audio recordings saved. They are on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and everything else that we just mentioned. Uh, they're also, just in case, they are archived on our website every single week. You can get a hold of them within a day. Um, so check them out on there as well. And, you know, consider becoming a monthly subscriber, a financial subscriber. $5 is a minimum uh, request. $10, that will get you a beautiful, beautiful notebook. And I say beautiful because I, I really enjoy this. I really love this sleek design. It's really cool. We'll send you a pen there as a special thank you as well. Uh, you can, you know, send whatever, whatever you really want to. But, again, it's if you, feel, if you feel moved by God to support this ministry, do so. Not simply because I'm asking. Um, do so because you have faith in this ministry. Do so because you want to see this ministry grow. And I want to let you know this. The first uh, additional thing in which I would love to get for this uh, ministry um, is a mobile app. You know, these ministries are using them all the time. And I think this would be a great asset. We get podcasts out every week. We can, you know, get more articles, more stuff out to you guys through that. You don't have to open up a website. You don't have to open up Facebook and listen to these. You can simply check it out on your phone. So that's the goal. That's what we're going to next. Uh, with that being said, you guys have yourself a very wonderful weekend. And until next time, God bless.